there wasn't like one moment it was just issues would come up in class I would disagree with things I would get in conflict with the leaders I would have conversations with my mom and it was issues like modesty um things like thinking like if you're not Mormon you're not happy and I'm like bitch I am Mormon and I'm not happy I'm Steph I'm Rachel and we want to know pretty much everything about pretty much everyone we meet welcome to sit on the floor I'm like excited to talk to you about this because you actually like you know a little bit about all of the craziness that I literally Mormonism. grew up with you in the yes, Mormon church, which is so crazy. And then you were super. Were you pretty pressured to like join? Is that the wrong word? No. no okay. No. <laughs> like, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So, as someone who I grew up Catholic, uh-huh. um, I'm not a practicing Catholic, but. I would like to know, as an outsider, what your experience was like together. Um, just take me from the beginning. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I guess start with you because I don't really know like when you first were like introduced to any of it or how that all <laughs> happened. Okay, so yeah. I my family was not Mormon, but um, my childhood best friend, who you also know and love, um, is. Mormon and then her whole family is Mormon I met them when I was like five. Oh wow I didn't realize that yeah so then I was babysat by that family over there at the house all the time literally all the time mm -hmm. and and you know like when you're a practicing Mormon there are so many activities that oh you God. do it's not just church it's like first of all church is three hours mm -hmm. on sundays mm -hmm. and then it's family home evening on mondays yep. it's young women's or mutual on tuesdays yep. and then it's girls camp in the summers yeah and it's church dances and it's general conference and it's state conference and it's um so they're filling all of your free time they're filling all of your free time and not only that but everybody who runs the church is unpaid so they're basically making people work second jobs for free <laughs> just to run the church sorry to cut you off but yeah it's really such a crazy time commitment it's even interesting to hear you talk about it like how you're talking about yeah. it right now because i feel like i because i wasn't fully i'd never converted mm -hmm. and came very close yeah. but i never actually converted and because of that i think i perhaps have like a even maybe even like a less jaded view despite how how close I came and how kind of like uh, encouraged I was to join. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but no, that's so funny. Please. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the more involved with you, you are with it, the more issues there, like they're, they're, the more involved you are, the more there is to be mad about with the religion because it like the more you are involved, the more it takes from you and like the people you love. Like I definitely think that it is a lot of like manipulation and like brainwashing and because it is the religion itself is very like some aspects of it are like basic Christianity and then some aspects are very like strict. Like you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't have sex like you have to give so much of your time. You have to give 10 percent of your income and like those are really demanding crazy asks of anybody and so to get people to the point where they will accept that and do that you have to make that feel like make them feel like that's their whole world like you have to build this alternate society and culture and social network within the church that these people are like literally 
so indebted to it that they don't have a life outside of Mormonism. And like, I'm not meaning like most of them have careers and they'll have non-Mormon friends, but like there's also a lot of Mormons who like their main social network is all Mormons. Like the main way they spend their free time is all involved with the church. And to me, it's because the church isn't true. And if you take five steps away from it, you start to see that it's not true and they want to prevent you from taking those steps away. So they, they fill up your time constantly. And like, I don't think there's a concerted effort of like, we are going to convince people of a lie because the people doing the convincing and the people at the top genuinely and sincerely believe that it's true. So like, I don't think that anyone is consciously lying. It's just a lot of sincere but misguided, like, I don't even know the word, like teaching efforts. I don't know, but. I am so shocked right now. <laughs> I am so shocked because I grew up with you. Yeah. And I literally watched you like I we were in it together. Yeah. And we like you went were, to girls camp together. We went to girls camp together. Yeah. We were at church together yeah. and you were in it and I wasn't. And you were you were so committed to it and i and i so i had a really positive experience with the mm -hmm. church because i felt so um like it's a lot of a lot of kind it is. people it is yeah um and and they do have some good values that they like mm -hmm. instill in you yeah what are the face, what are like, the values what are some of the main tenets what are the what are the values that they tried to instill in young women? Oh, in young women specifically? Yeah. We're going there now? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I, yeah. Um, okay. Because this is, you know, completely new to me. Like, no, I was, I I was no actually idea. thinking about this. I didn't think about what I was going to say because I was like, who, who fucking knows what I'm going to say? I have so much to say. But, like, I did think about, like, talking to an audience if you don't know anything about Mormonism as like how much do I explain about like the actual religion or the beliefs because I feel like if you don't know it some of what like we're talking about won't make sense so I guess mm. it's good to have like a little yeah, background of, definitely like, give a little background okay that would and be helpful jump in if you think of anything because you've been <laughs> taught um it's a whole spectrum like in some levels Mormonism has a lot of commonalities with like other Christian religions, like believing in Jesus, Jesus is your savior and the Holy Ghost. Like there's all of those elements, but then there is some stuff that's like unique to Mormonism. Like they believe that um, prophets are on earth, like how they were in the Bible. And they believe that like, what else? Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Yeah. He's like the founder. Um, they believe in like just really strict morals around like sex, even like masturbating. They're like, have opinions on that um i think it's the idea of like purity yeah. i think purity is a very big thing Purity's in the religion and yeah like when yeah. we went to girls camp we couldn't wear shorts that were oh my god that were above the knee mm -hmm. and they were very strict on that we couldn't wear two-piece bathing suits mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. now so if someone within the religion couldn't follow the rules and they knew it too. Like they just felt powerless to their vices. What mm -hmm. would happen? Well, that was you. That was you. Like, well, you didn't feel powerless to your vices, but you you actively chose to like, you swore, for example. Yeah. For, you were committed to the church and also swore. I just, yeah. I My relationship with the church is really, that's like a really good question. 
Um, so the church doctrine in and of itself is like pretty black and white strict, like she was saying about like modesty, all those things. I think for myself, really, really young, like as early as middle school, I just disagreed with so much of what I was told and what I was taught. And I'm very lucky to have really, really cool parents, especially my mom. Um, and she was always just kind of Are they like, Mormon? They are. They are still Mormon. My mom knows everything and she's super open-minded and doesn't really care that I'm not involved. So I'm like, because she is really just more about like loving people and letting people make the right decisions for them. And so she's super sweet. But I think where I'm going with this is like, there's like a spectrum of, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but within Mormonism, there is a spectrum of Mormons. There's not one like Mormon. There's like people that are very lax that like drink, have sex, live their lives, but they go to church because it's like what their family does. And the community at large still accepts them? That really depends on the community. Like it's, it's almost, I can only talk about my experience with Mormonism because it is not a monolith. Like it is because the church is organized into individual locations across the world. Like every location is so different. Like I went, I would go to church in Brooklyn or Harlem and like guys would bring their boyfriends and no one gave a shit. Like people would drink and no one gave a shit. Like the message at the pulpit was pretty much as simple as like love other people and Jesus loves you. Amen. So there wasn't a lot for me to object to there. But if you go out in like places like Utah or other places, like yeah, it could be a completely different story. It all just depends on the people in your individual location. But I would say that in general, the doctrine is really, really harmful. And I would say that the environments that I saw here in New York that were more loving and accepting are not the norm. I would say they're the exception. So, okay. Now, take me back Mm -hmm. to when... Bring me to the moment if you can remember when you first started because you grew up like mm-hmm. your whole family's Mormon you mm-hmm. grew up Mormon mm-hmm. what was the moment or the age mm-hmm. when you first started to look around and go wait a minute I think when I was probably like in eighth grade or so and they got a lot into like modesty and what women should do women should have children and you can work, but mm, the best thing you could do is have kids. And I would go home and go on rants with my mom and be like, that's absolute bullshit. And I would say that to her. I'm like, that's bullshit. I want a career. I want to do this. I want to do that. And she's like, oh, you can, you can, you can. So it's really something that was building. Like it was one issue after the other that just kept building for years. But I would always find a way to just be like, okay, I don't agree with this like the ratios got worse over time, but at first I was like, okay, I don't agree with like 50% of what they're saying, but I guess I like Jesus. And then <laughs> bit by bit, the ratios just got worse and worse and worse. Her is like, I don't agree with 90% of what they're saying. I guess I like Jesus. And now I'm like, I don't even know what I do believe anymore at all. Like I would describe myself as agnostic. So if I don't know if that answers your question, but it really was like a slow build. There wasn't like one moment. It was just issues would come up in class. I would disagree with things. I would get in conflict with the leaders. I would have conversations with my mom. And it was issues like modesty, um, things like thinking like, if you're not Mormon, you're not happy. And I'm like, bitch, I am Mormon and I'm not happy. (laughs) So, Or being like, oh, people would just be happier if they joined our church. And I was always like, I don't feel that. I don't believe that. So there are just all these things throughout the years that I just made me really angry, made me really uncomfortable. And yeah. 
And Steph, you said you had a positive experience when you were younger. So what was that like? What did you get from it that made you want to continue with it? Well, so I think that for me, the the house of the family and the friend that like brought me into this world was a really, really positive environment for me. And I mean, I loved and still to this day love with all my heart that that one friend like love her and the whole family. I mean, they were like my second family. So we were all really, really close. And so that was a really positive experience for me. Also, I have no siblings. So it was like it was like I had siblings because there there are four kids in that family. So it was like I had brothers and sisters. They literally like took me in as one of their own children, like is how it felt. And then when I was introduced into the community and like, you know, brought into when I would go to church, I mean, everybody there was just so, so, so kind. And everybody was, the church dances for me were so much fun. I had the best time because I hated high school, or middle school dance. I hated them because mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like it was my scene. And then you go to church dances and it's like, so it, was, it wasn't, it, it sounds so lame. And I know that it like was lame in a way, but it was like, everyone was so nice. Like the way that it works when you go to one of those dances is like, you dance like this, like, one hand holding and then the other hand around the neck and everybody asks you to dance like as like it's an extension of friendship it's like hey mm-hmm. do you want to go dance like and and then you know girls camp was mm-hmm. emotional and it was like you go and you make lifelong bonds mm-hmm. with there and you know the testimony meetings at oh, yeah. at girls camp when pe- testimony meetings are when people get up and they uh, express something that they believe very deeply and are they feel moved to say in that moment. I mean, it was all just so emotional and mm-hmm. it was all so full of like deep connection and mm-hmm. bonds and sincere attempts at kindness. And mm-hmm. so, and the other thing is, I was never officially a part of the community, but I was always treated like I was. Mm-hmm. And I was always treated with... Oddly enough, I never really felt pressured to join. That's good. I actually, I don't think I ever felt pressured. Like I felt welcomed. I felt welcomed to join the community and I felt just like loved. Um, But yeah, it's it's wild to talk to you about it because I grew up with you. Mm -hmm. We were literally in church together. I'd see you. And yet here we are on different, and we had totally different experiences and that's because you you were in it and like yeah. I was coming into it as like an outsider who yeah yeah and I think like there also is truth to what you're saying like I don't want to let I'm in a place where I'm processing like religious trauma so I might have a more negative perspective because the thing is it's not black or white nothing's all good or all bad there are positive things to it like it's a sense of community they do to they do teach values like 
loving, forgiveness, kindness. It can be very welcoming, very fun. And yeah, there's a lot of amazing people in the church that I've met. But to me, it's like the positives that I found in the religion were based on individuals or individual locations and really not so much to do with the actual doctrine. And that's something that's really hard to sort out. And that was ultimately the reason why I chose not to convert. Yeah. Was because I felt, and it was very conflictual and difficult decision for me because I felt emotionally like I feel so connected to all these people in this community. Yeah. And then looking at the doctrine, like I will never forget the day that I came home. I think I was 15. I came home to my dad and I said, dad, I think I want to become a Mormon. I think I want to convert. And he he swiveled around in his office chair <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, what did you just say? Oh, boy. <laughs> and I go, he doesn't say anything. And I go into my room. I go into my room. And an hour later, so I come back on. He's like, Stephanie, come here. I want to show you something. And I sit down and he presents me <laughs> with a stack of pamphlets and papers and research that he's just done. And he sits me down and he shows me testimonies from Mormons who grew up in it and then left the church. Mm -hmm. He shows me, he points to the verse in Deuteronomy in the Bible mm. that says, beware of false prophets. Like if, if, a false, if a prophet makes one false prophecy, they're not a real prophet. Then points to the prophecies that Joseph yeah. Smith made and that were like, it's going to rain on this day. Oh, and and so he was like, wrong. and he was like, and it never rained on that day. I was like, dad, who are you? <laughs> like, you step into like a CSI room where they have like all like the things mapped out and you're like, oh my gosh. That's literally. I wish someone did that for me before I got baptized at eight years old. <laughs> like, wow. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Cause it must be so different having it be your own parents right. that, you know, you're right. raised in it before you even have a chance. To it's decide. just normal. Like you are born and you grow up and you're get, oh, I'm going to get baptized at eight and I'm going to do this and this. And it's like laid out for you. And when you're a kid, like honestly, like it's fun. You go to this little like classes with other little kids and you get snacks and you sing songs like they're not saying the scary stuff when you're eight <laughs> and then you get older. And, yeah. So tell me about deciding to leave. Yeah. And w was it difficult? Were there people who were disappointed in you or upset? That's a great question. Um, I think I was just like relieved. I feel felt for a long time, even in high school, like I didn't really want to be Mormon. Like I was embarrassed if anyone found out I was Mormon. I wanted to be known as Jenny and I wanted to be known for who I was. I didn't want my religion to be tied into my identity. And I, I really felt like the second people found out as part of this religion that I didn't even really choose to be in, it like warped their perception of me. And that was really frustrating for me. So for me, it was like this burden, like in high school, I was like, I don't want to be part of this religion. But I thought I thought it was relatively true. So I was like, fuck, I don't want to be part of this. But like, I guess I have a faith in God, so I can't just like leave. But like, why me? Like, why do I have to deal with these ridiculous modesty standards and these like ridiculous rules about drinking? And I was like, you know, what? it's fine. I'm going to go around living like this. So when I finally did come to a place where I was like completely financially independent and I could make that decision, like I am completely done with this. It was like a sense of relief. I 
didn't feel too emotional about it because it had been so long coming. I'd already been living my life the way I wanted to. And it was just kind of formalizing like, yeah, I'm like, I'm done with this. So. But so tell me about the moments of deciding to leave. Yeah. Um. Sorry, it just was such a slow and gradual process. I wish there was like a moment I could like tell you I was like, I read this and then I knew. But it's was literally like years of disagreeing with things and feeling angry about things. But I think last summer was like a bigger turning point where I already was like half out. Like I already knew that I didn't agree with most things. And then I learned some things about the church's history and like about like with like black members of the church history that stuff that they did not teach or did not talk about and I was like livid and then from there it was just a matter of like doing some logic checks and I was like this none of this adds up and so I think last summer was like the turning point I was I was like fucking angry like I was furious like I was mad that I had spent I was 22 last summer yeah I was mad I had spent 22 years in this religion and like even though I didn't always agree with it, I still would defend it or still identify parts of myself with it. And like, I felt like I'd been lied to for like two decades. So like in your last couple years that you were in the church, were you less involved than when you were younger? Like you, it was kind of like a weaning off. Definitely. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. And like, it got to a point where I was like, maybe I don't mind going on Sunday, but because, you know, what I'm hearing in my location isn't so bad. But then when I actually sat down and, like, looked at the doctrine, I was like, this is actively hurting other people and, like, causing other people harm. And I felt complicit. I was like, if I keep showing up to my, like, nice environment, I'm complicit in this organization that, like, actively hurts people. And I didn't want to deal with that. I didn't want to be part of that. How? How? Um. Okay. So the church is homophobic. Um, Like, I don't care what someone tells you. I don't care how they've rationalized it, how they've explained it. It's homophobic. They believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. They believe that your gender is an eternal part of your identity. So that just completely invalidates, like, so many people's experiences. Um, And they say really, like... They tell gay people, we love you. We accept you. It's not it's not a sin to be gay. You can still come to church, but it's a sin to act on it. So I'm like, you're telling people that they have to suppress themselves, suppress themselves and never be intimate with someone and never get into a serious relationship. And like, how is that not homophobic? And I've also seen it just like hurt close friends who like struggle with mental illness. Like it exacerbates mental illness because there is such a demand for perfection and purity, not only in like the things you do, but the way you think. So if you're prone to anxiety, depression, OCD, anything like that, it fucking wrecks you. And like watching people I love just be so hurt by it. I was like, this, this is not right. Sorry. Now I'm getting mad. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh so, yeah. I just, I didn't want to be complicit anymore. I didn't want to be involved at all. So you said earlier that you feel like you're processing religious trauma right now. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Just I'm ang- I'm in a phase where I'm very angry at the church. I'm very angry at the church for not disclosing its history. I'm very angry at the church for like making me so much more anxious and on edge in my life. I think that like I think I would have dealt with depression and anxiety no matter what. I think the church made it worse. Um why? Because they hold you to these standards that are impossible. They hold you to these standards of it's not only what you do. It's if did you have it a th- like a bad thought 
And so you're 16, you're 15, and you're having to monitor your thoughts. And then I didn't want to do that. I'm like, this is bullshit. But you still feel guilty. Like, you still feel like you're wrong. And even even if cognitively you can look at it objectively, even as a 16-year-old, be like, I don't think what they're saying is right, and I don't agree with it, and it shouldn't be this way. It's still programmed into you to feel guilty or to feel bad. What were you not allowed to think? Like, literally anything. If you had a mean thought, a sexual, sexual thought. thought. Yeah. Anything, like anything that they can define as sinful is like, so it's thought policing, 100%. And that's exhausting for anybody. But if you're predisposed to any form of mental illness, it like pushes you over the edge. Did you explain your thoughts and feelings to your parents, to your family? And if you did, why do you think that they choose to continue to participate? Um. Oh, my thoughts and feelings about the church now? Yeah. Um. That's a good question. Not everybody is still involved, um, but I think for some people, they've done enough like mental gymnastics and to figure out a way to rationalize things and explain the issues away so that it sits right with their conscience. And I think that it's also there are positive things like what Stephanie described in terms of the community. And I so they choose to overlook the bad. Yeah. And I think that they don't want to overlook it in the sense that they want to cause anyone harm but i don't think that they view their participating in the religion as doing that and Mm. i think that they've found ways to like rationalize some of the doctrine into being more loving and more accepting than it actually is um in order so they don't feel bad and then i also think it's like if you're raised in something and your entire family your entire friends it's just so like i don't think people like dealing with cognitive dissonance like i don't think people it's very uncomfortable to take this underlying framework that you've had your whole life that you've been told this church is the only true church and we have all the answers. It's really destabilizing to like question that. I had a moment. The f- I remember the reason I asked you earlier about mm-hmm. what was your moment that you started to look around and go, wait a minute, what's going on mm-hmm. is because I remember my moment. Oh, I want to know. I remember a moment. It was in a testimony meeting. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how far into the thing I was, how old I was, or when the testimony meeting took place, but I just remember watching somebody up there at the podium. Mm -hmm. And you know a common, a regular phrase that people say Mm -hmm. in testimony meetings is, I know this church is true. Yes. (laughs) That's what they, a lot of the, that's like a repeated thing that many people say. And I remember watching somebody up there at the podium with tears streaming down their face, just like crying so intensely, like, I know this church is true. Say say those words. And I just remember having a thought like, I was like, wait a second. And I looked around at everybody near me and I looked at all the children around me which I was one of. Mm-hmm. And I had the thought over the course of these kids' lifetimes, how many people have these kids watched get up onto that stage and cry mm-hmm. with such intensity and force and say the words? I know this church is true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself, like, 
if I was raised in a religion and I went through that, I watched that that many people say those words. I was like, I don't know that I would ever stand a chance in getting to a point where I felt I felt strongly enough that that what I had been taught was uh, not surefire was like not surefire at least to a point of like even coming to question it I'm saying Mm -hmm. I don't even know that I would have come to a point of of being able to question it oh that's interesting yeah well yeah it's it's if you go every week from the time you're like literally a toddler and you are hearing people every week and these are people you look up to and you trust they might be family they might be close friends saying I know this is true this is it yeah like how do you so in that way I just want to commend you (laughs) seriously because that is remarkable that is remarkable that you were in that position and also like huge huge um credit to your family too for being so supportive and open-minded thank you towards like allowing you to like find your own way and make your own decision even if it's not the same decision that they're making and like respecting you treating you the same loving you the same because that's that's huge for them but it's also huge for you to get to a point where you know like you have been taught this your whole life and then you're like hey I'm becoming my own person mm-hmm. and who, what does this person want and is it this? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that and I do feel very lucky that I have a family that is very like open-minded and loving and because I can only, I genuinely cannot imagine, like there are people who if they did what I did, their families might not talk to them or they would constantly barrage them with I've seen it why why did you leave why did you leave come back you know and I'm like oh my god I'm so lucky that yeah what would you say to somebody who is in the middle of questioning something that they have been taught to believe by the people most close to them yeah I would say to keep questioning first off and to not be afraid of cognitive dissonance. Like you're, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to wonder if you're wrong and they're right. You're going to, it almost feels like the ground being taken out from under you because for one second you think you know what's gonna happen after you die and you think you know what to expect and then you realize that everything is up in the air and everything's up for question, but I would say it is so much better to get to the bottom of those questions and to get the truth and then just to build your own sense of morality and um, your own sense of like truth and values outside of something that is so controlling. So I would say it's not a comfortable process, but it's a process that's like absolutely worth it. And just if people love you and care about you, then they, like you said, they'll respect your decision, whether it's aligns with what they think is right or not so I don't know if that's a good answer but that's probably what I'd say so yeah this episode of sit on the floor was hosted by Stephanie Tonneson and Rachel Sear and produced by Stephanie Tonneson if you enjoyed it you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.
to see photos of the space this episode was recorded in, or to make a donation to the show, visit sitonthefloorpod.com. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode.